Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Down the left field line and gone off the foul pole. An absolute rocket off the bat of Paul DeYoung. Lifted in the air. Left center. Robles back. Looks up. Gone. It's a home run. DeYoung cranks one. Deep left. At the track. At the What a night for the Cardinal offense. Welcome into the Danny Mac Show with BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Tanner is with us. The Cardinals win it by the final of 12-5 to last night. Paul DeYoung, another big game. Two home runs, drove in five. Currently on a six-game winning streak. Also, a couple of home runs hit after that. Justin Williams, boy, he, he hit a missile. Missile, 20 degree launch angle that got out at I think 109.5 miles per hour off the bat so offensively speaking man man feast or famine with this welcome to the roller coaster of 2021 Dan it really is it's it's you know you look at how these games have played out and they either put up 14 or 12 runs or eight runs or sometimes they put up none they've been shut out a couple of times they haven't played in a one-run game yet this year the only team in baseball that hasn't done that that's hard to do it's amazing and i think i found the culprit dan yes sir so they have three games this season in which they have scored double digit runs three games so far this year in those three games they are 16 for 33 with runners in scoring position they're basically batting 500 in those games in all of their other games when they have scored less than 10 runs in that individual game they are 12 for 72 wow. with runners in scoring position basically the cardinals are an all-time great team with runners in scoring position in their three big outbursts offensively and they're an all-time bad team with runners in scoring position when they don't score more than 10 runs This is something that will lead to what we've seen so far. Why do I think that there's going to be a regression where eventually we're going to see a little bit more something in the middle more often because of these numbers that I just referenced? They're not a 200 hitting team with runners in scoring position. That'll level out. They're going to be a little closer to the norm. I think this offense is going to be all right. But for the here and now, it is truly a roller coaster every single night. As I was watching the game last night, calling the game, I thought, boy, these are the numbers that we were talking about with BK and Tanner this morning. Barrel percentage, hard hit percentage. Uh, you know, sometimes they, they find holes or they just go over the fence. <laughs> BK was geeking out last night. I'm sure he was, Tanner. He, he geeks out all the time all over these, these numbers. things. I was like, whoo. Are you texting my man over here? Always. I'm always texting Tanner. I love Tanner. I'm on the right page that you guys are doing the same thing. Always. Always. Yeah. That was a fun game. And, and Dan, we got the text. I knew this was coming eventually from the 314. Guys in need vindication for my guy BK with Arenado having an error last night. what did I do? (laughs) Dan texted me. I don't even know how you did it. Dan texted me, I think, while he was speaking on the air. Yes. I do it all the time. 
<laughs> saying I guess BK was right about Arenado. To be very clear. I, I, said, wanna... I said vindication for BK. Let's look at the text. Let me find the text. I want to be clear here. I do not think Arenado is a bad defender. I do not. That would be an absolutely asinine take by So me. yesterday, for fans that didn't hear it, BK said that uh, Arenado is going to lose the gold glove this year and is looking at 25 airs. That's what I heard, too. <laughs> you I guys hear she, things I'm not saying. 8.14 p.m. Uh, with you and Tanner, I said, uh, I guess BK was right about Arenado in capital letters. BK responded, Immediately, blind squirrel, LOL. Um, I thought it was interesting, though, because Jimmy pointed out, and he was correct, so Arenado's made a couple of errors this year. Uh-huh. Both have been on the shift when he's playing basically shortstop. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you're he's, right. He's BK. been really good defensively. <laughs> I want to be really clear. Were he's been really good. Hold on. Were you getting killed on the text line after your, my, our show yesterday? Uh, no, pretty much the normal, like, okay. people hate me for whatever reason. Um, But... There have been a couple of plays like that where, like, I expect all-time great stuff out of him, right? It's totally unfair, sure. but those are the expectations. And so when when I when I have those really, really high expectations, I'm going to hold you to it. So there's been a couple of plays where I'm like, man, I wish Arenado would have made that one because it would have been awesome to be able to see an all-time great play. And that's those are the ones that I'm talking about. And last night, that would have been coming. a tough play. They're coming. No, yesterday, that should have been a – that's – for him, that's routine. That's fair. He's got to make that play. And he would say, I got to make that play. And he will. He, oh, yeah. I'll take my chances with him at third oh, base. Yeah. He'll be just fine. Um, let's see. Uh, good morning, Danny Mac. Can you speak to Jim Edmonds? Uh, he is awesome on the games. Great analyst. Well, here's the thing that Jimmy does really well. And I think it's a byproduct that we are watching on screens. Is that BK... So we do the... The road games for people that don't know for still for people that don't know we are in a studio and we got a couple of camera angles we got the one that you see at home and we have the the high home uh the behind home plate camera which Mm. it looks like little dots on the screen so i know if somebody's running or if there's a shift or whatever the case may be jimmy's great at picking up little things jimmy is looking at because the camera is behind the pitcher he'll look over to me and i was telling you this whether we're in person or not he'll say with a hand gesture, fastball, changeup, curve, slider, whatever, he can see if guys are tipping. He has an incredible job, uh, incredible eye for those things during the job, and I think it's fun to listen to him. He's got the Tony Romo esque aspect of baseball. It's been a lot of fun. He also, early on in a game, can predict pretty well what's coming. Like I remember yesterday in the game, or not yesterday, I guess it would have been Sunday, with Bryce Harper. He said after that first homer, I wouldn't pitch to Bryce Harper today. He's on. He's locked in. He just wouldn't pitch to him the rest of the day. And then Bryce Harper was absolutely locked in. The Cardinals kept pitching to him. It ended up being a problem for them in that game. But I, I think Jim's great. And I think, and this is a this is a compliment to him. I don't want it to get twisted. I think he has gotten so much better in the time when he's been doing this with you from where he was when he first started doing the in-game analysis to where he is today. He's outstanding. Like I would put him up against anybody else in baseball right now with his analysis. He's just seeing things that normal fan doesn't see. Um, Speaking of fans last night, loved it. That the, the, the fan that caught the home run of Williams got a second crack at it. That was fun. That's why you go to the ballpark, right? I mean, and that's it was a that rocket. Oh, the one it, he caught. BK, oh if it does, God. if he doesn't catch it, it kills him. Yeah. 
I, it, it may have hit the heart. He goes and palpitate. It's over. Or it hit him in the face, and it's over. That thing was a missile off the bat of Justin Williams. The real Holy question, smokes. did he catch it, or did it catch him? I think the latter. I think the latter. amazing. It was a missile. Uh, Mike Schild talked about his offense last night after the game and looking for consistency, and he probably got a little bit of that last night. If we're going to hit balls hard, and you know, they get out of the fence, they can't be defended. You know, and we're going to barrel balls up consistently. You know, we got to feel like consistently. I mean, last year we got dinged a lot because we didn't score over five offensively. And this year we're clearly doing that. And now it's the consistency of scoring eight a game. I mean, the big league pitching we face and big league defenses and shifts. And wish I had a you know better or different answer for you because I feel like I'm I'm telling you the same things. But I'm, I search my mind at night to try to help you understand it better. But I. All I can do is share with the, you know, we hit the ball hard and some nights the guy's really good and we don't get as many good, off, good swings off. Here's the thing that I liked is that you saw Joe Ross six days later where he shut you down and you made adjustments. So it was not only adjustment into the game because I thought Ross was okay. I didn't think he was that bad. Now the line is bad. Four and a third, eight hits, ten runs, all earned, three walks, five strikeouts, and folks are driving around listening going, Danny Mackey was bad. I get it. I mean, you look at the line, not great. He was around the plate, though, all the time. Didn't get some calls go his way. couple of mistakes, and things happen with the big home runs. But what I liked was the adjustment that the Cardinals made, and they made an adjustment last night. Yeah, and they followed their game plan, and the biggest thing to me was Paul DeYoung, who came through with a massive night. He was off of an over-25 stretch. Then now in this six game hitting streak, he's seven for 22 with three home runs. He's got a few walks in there as well. Still striking out too much, but you'll live with that as long as it comes with the production in terms of the power. And that's the biggest thing for this team right now, Dan. If you look at their rankings power wise with the rest of baseball, I mean, they're right up there with home runs. They have 24 so far this season. That's where their real production is coming from. They're hitting the long ball. And Tanner said this with us in the spring. The Cardinals lacked behind. Where they really lagged was with that slugging percentage. And so far this year, those hard hit rate, the barrels that we've been talking about, they are translating in that way. They are translating to the long ball. And that's something that's been missing for a few years. And they missed early on a couple of guys that would hurt them if they didn't perform. And the most notable was probably Paul DeYoung in the cleanup spot. Because if he doesn't come through, do you pitch to Arenado? I mean, the trickle-down effect is great with that. The other is Dylan Carlson. Carlson's taken really good at bats. Looks like a different player from the beginning of the season. Not that he was bad, but it's just getting better and better. So DeYoung all of a sudden has made an adjustment for himself. He looks more comfortable and his approach yesterday against Ross. Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought some of the guys the other day were a little bit in between and, uh, you know, today we wanted to attack the fastball and, um, you know, we got some pitches to hit and didn't miss them. I thought we did a great job as a group just, uh, you know, pouring it on. But, you know, overall, I think we just had a different mentality today and it showed. Yeah, the patience of Paul DeYoung, find a pitch to drive. A couple of times they elevated with him with a fastball, which he'll chase. Didn't do that last night. Now, the guy I want to talk about, and I said this was, you, we all, I think it may have been with you or the morning show, you guys said, okay, who's your breakout performer this year? I said Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond has been awesome so far this year and is not getting enough credit for how well he is playing, no matter where you play him. Right field, second base, 
His leadoff numbers are good. Any way you want to look at it, Tommy Edmond is off to a hell of a start, and he is a difference maker for this team. Can we get into that on the other side, Dan? Because I'd love to expand on this a little bit with you, because I think Tommy Edmond, if you're looking for a guy that not just for 2021, but moving forward has inserted himself into the mix as being one of the most important Cardinals, I think he's up there, and I've got a question for you if he can become this. I think he can become a certain player that the Cardinals have seen in the past. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Eduardo Perez will join us tomorrow. He has a emergency with his dog, so they are headed to the vet, and uh, we understand that. So he is off to the vet, and we'll visit with Eduardo Perez tomorrow. 65780-65780. So that'll give us a little bit more time on the Air Comfort Service text line. We were going to talk about Tommy Edmond here. He's now played in 162 career games. His average is 283. OPS 780 in his career. His war is 5.2 in that stretch. We had a graphic, and I talked about it last night. There's only five other players that have been better in terms of Average, stolen bases, on-base percentage, walk strikeouts, that kind of combination, than Tommy Edmond over the last 162 games. He has been that good. And when you put it in perspective like that, you realize this guy's awfully good what he's doing offensively. But here's the key, BK, is that he's doing it at two different positions where he has split time in right field and at second base. I remember in spring training you said, you think Tommy Edmond's going to play the outfield? I said, yeah, I do. Because I think there's going to be some guys that scuffle, and you need to have a stability of a player that gives you stability in the outfield. That's Tommy Edmond. Now, if Carpenter can hit, he, Carpenter's going to get a run. He's been not great. So you got him in the outfield. Carpenter's getting his shot. Lefty on the mound tonight, though. I think it'll be interesting if they go with Justin Williams. Lefty-lefty matchup. The way he's swinging the bat, why not? Maybe somebody else in right, Carlson's in center, Tommy plays second base. But the point is, he gives you the flexibility to to maneuver your lineup any way you want. He's been that good. He has been, and as a breakdown of where he's played in these 162, Dan, he's at 44 at second, 78 at third, 12 at shortstop, 8 in left, 33 in right, and then he's been a pinch hitter 15 times as well. I mean, it's unbelievable what he's been able to do in terms of the accomplishments. And I looked this up last night because I was curious, you know, what is, how does what Tommy Edmond has done so far compare with the guy that we know as being the true Swiss army knife of the last decade? And that to me is Ben Zobrist. He was the one that that's who I always say too. He always personified this role that he's the guy that immediately comes to mind for me. Man, it is way closer than I would have expected. 270 hitter. He got on base at a 365 clip, and his OPS was right around 800. Well, Tommy Edmond, 280, 340 on base so far, and a 780 OPS. So he's a little behind in terms of the on base and the OPS, but not by a whole lot. No. Dan, do you think that's what we could be watching here? Like, I don't know if he becomes full Ben Zobrist, but can he be 80% of what Ben Zobrist was at his peak? I think he could be more than that. I wow. think the Cardinals, though, would like to see him be your everyday second baseman. So if if one of these outfielders or you go out and get a guy or whatever the case may be, but you have, and I'm going to use the word stability again, if you have an everyday lineup that you can throw out there and a fourth outfielder that you feel comfortable with that you can throw out there with the matchup situation, I think in their mind they would love to have Tommy Edmond at second base. Believe me, they feel that when they let Wong go, 
that Tommy Edmond was not that far behind defensively. And I, I was saying that to you. And, yeah, I, and, and I, you were right all along. He's been awesome. He he is right there with him. I'm not saying he's Colton Wong. Colton Wong is elite. But he is right there. His range, defensive metrics all prove that to be true. So I think every day he makes you better at second base because then that infield defense is really elite. I mean, it, it's terrific if you have Tommy Edmond every day at second base. But you you got guys that are struggling, so he gives you the flexibility to put him in the outfield. And I've been saying since day one, when they started putting him in the outfield and third base and second and short, he's your backup shortstop if you need him. Center fielder. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they say he's your backup center yeah. fielder. This is Ben Zobris, man. And Ben Zobris at the height of his career, as you just mentioned, was a great player. Not a good player, a great player because, take away the numbers, he allowed you to get better at other positions because of his flexibility. And that's what I think. Like, I understand completely why they would want him to be an everyday second baseman. And you are better that way. He is really good defensively there. Yep. He secures everything defensively on your infield because now you feel good about every spot across the diamond. That being said, I do think that there is some value, some real value, maybe even more value in some ways of having a switch hitter who can bat lead off for you that can play anywhere you need him to, depending on the matchup. So against, for instance, right now with what they have, so you got Matt Carpenter, who's a lefty that you want in the lineup against right-handed pitching. Maybe there's another guy that becomes available on the market that is a righty that you want at second base. So they're going to play exclusively against uh, left-handed pitching. Well, then in, on those days, Tommy Edmond goes to the outfield. And then against right-handed pitching, he comes into second base. I do think it allows for more flexibility, especially in the offseason. If you're getting guys on one-year below-market value deals, you can go bargain bin shopping for guys that you think could have bounce-back seasons that other teams might not have a spot for. Well, think of what he's doing for you right now. So he is buying you time. Sure. That's what he's done. And that's what you're talking about if you went out and got somebody or – you have to wait for others to come back, and they're hopeful that Bader comes back and O'Neal and these guys perform at a decent level. But what has he done? He's allowed you to not play Austin Dean every day, to give Williams a break if need be, to shift Dylan Carlson to center field, so he has bought you time. That is valuable. Man, when you got a guy that can do that in your lineup, that is awfully valuable, and that's what I see with Tommy Edmond. It is, and the other thing that he does when Harrison Bader does return, Dan, is he makes him even more valuable because now you might be in a situation where Bader only has to play against left-handed pitching, and that's where he's been at his best. If you're a Cardinals fan that has been frustrated with Harrison Bader's offense, you're really frustrated with the way that Harrison Bader hits against right-handed pitching because he's been excellent so far against lefties, Well, now against right-handed pitching, you can slide Dylan Carlson over to center because he's been at least solid in center field this year. And Tommy Edmond can go into right field with Matt Carpenter at second base. I know, I know. And that's the way you kind of filter things through. So it makes the other guys around him better because they're not exposed in the matchups that they shouldn't be out there for. Tommy Edmond is truly a linchpin of this team right now. He is everything for them. Flaherty, last night, six innings, five hits, Five runs, two earned, struck out five, including number 500, fastest to 500 uh, in Cardinals history, and then um, two walks. So Flaherty, I thought, was okay. Um, The way I looked at it last night with Jack is that when you have a big, big lead and he's getting all kinds of run support, you have to at least get through six. Have to, if not seven. And Mike Schilt went out there with two outs uh, in that sixth inning and talked to Jack about what – uh, he was feeling, and should they take him out, he was starting to get... Well, he just asked if I could get the next guy. 
you know, I was feeling pretty good at that point. Some balls were hit hard. Some balls weren't hit very hard. Some they just kind of placed. So, you know, it was one of those. He asked how I was doing, if I could get the next guy, you know, gave me the confidence to lock it in and go get Mercer. Last two starts, 11 innings, nine hits, three earned, 11 strikeouts, couple of walks. He needed 107 pitches. Only problem with his evening last night was just out of those 107, uh, 63 strikes. So what does he need to do moving forward? I, I, you know, I think today it was a little bit better. My, my command on my fastball is a little bit better. Um, now it's building off that, continuing to build off that, and continuing to build off other pitches. and a little relying on two pitches. Um, I got more stuff than that. So uh, just, you know, continue to work through things, iron some things out in, in the days in between, continue to be prepared. And just just building off that day in day out. I just want to see Flaherty go a little bit deeper, especially with big leads. Um, and Jimmy talked about it last night, and I think he's right. His stuff is so good. Be more aggressive with your stuff. Trust it, which is cliche but true. He's got some of the best stuff in baseball. He would get ahead. You noticed BK. He'd be, yep. you know, oh one, one two, and then he'd look up and it's a three ball count. And he needs to stay away from those and be more efficient. And if you look at that great second half that he had a couple of years ago. Boy, it was rare that he was going to a three-ball count. So it kept pitch counts down, going deeper into games, and he can be that type of pitcher. He's already shown that. I think he's getting closer. The last two starts, I think you've seen some signs that things are starting to click for him. And Jim has mentioned in both of those last two starts, hey, you know, there's a few pitches here and there where they're just wasted pitches. And it's 5-10 over the course of a start. And that doesn't seem like it matters in the moment. And it probably doesn't in that moment but where it does matter is at the back end where instead of getting maybe six and a third six and two thirds now you're getting just the six and you're having to stretch to get there from Jack Flaherty and you need him to go a little bit deeper last night I thought was a continuation of what we had seen against the the Marlins where it's it's getting better it's getting closer to what you expect and I think one maybe two more starts from here Dan I think we're going to start seeing more prime Jack Flaherty what we're expecting I love what Chris Carpenter used to say he said I hated throwing a non-competitive pitch so you're one and two and all of a sudden you bounce one and it's not even close to where the guy's going to chase or offer He'd say that's a non-competitive pitch. That yep. that doesn't do anything. Doesn't help me. He's not chasing. He's not going to swing through it. So I don't like that. And sometimes I see that with Jack, but he's young and he's getting better and better. So you look at the numbers and I'm with you. Uh, they're getting better. And the other thing I, I looked at last night, I thought from the get-go his fastball was really good. Like he had a little extra life on the fastball. His fastball in Cincinnati averaged about 93.1. Now it was a cold day. It was 36 degrees, whatever. But we're also going deeper now into the season. A couple weeks in, three weeks in. And you build up. And by the way, it's snowing outside. Um, yeah, what and, the? Come on, guys. So I'm what is see- going on? I'm seeing the velocity improve with each start, which that's going to help him too. Harder you throw, you're going to get away with some mistakes. And so I thought he did that last night. Yeah, and I also, I got to give Schultz a little bit of credit. And I've been consistent on this. There was there was the one game where he left his starter in. I thought that it was the right call. And Schultz came out afterwards and said, hey, that's on me. I take full responsibility for that. He did the same thing here, basically. But I thought it was the right call again. I, I'm really glad. I was very happy to see Schultz come out. Say, hey, Jack, you got this? You good? Jack said yes, and he ended up getting the last out that he needed to in the sixth inning. They need that out of Jack Flaherty. If you're going to be the ace, and we all believe that he is, 
that's the kind of thing you got to get. You got to bear down for that one last batter to be able to get through the sixth inning. And I'm glad to see that he was able to do that last night. Six one eight is interesting question here. They are a statement. They said, I still believe their plan is for Gorman to be their second baseman. That's why they keep putting him in the outfield talking about Tommy Edmond. It's where they are preparing him to play. Could happen. You know, that could happen later this season. Could happen this season. And who's to say that Nolan Gorman is not in the outfield, too? Yeah. I mean, that's something to think about. That's been the the thing that stinks about the minor leagues not playing yet, and it's been forever. They're going to start in early May. But I want to see that kid get some games. I want to hear how he's doing in the field specifically because he's going to improve as an offensive player. He's going to have his fair share of strikeouts. That's Nolan Gorman. But he's going to walk into some home runs. He's going to hit for power. But he's not that far away from being a major league player. So where is that? Is it going to? It's not going to be at third. So is it going to be at second, or is it going to be in the outfield? And again, going back to the term flexibility, Tommy Edmond gives you a little flexibility potentially in what you want to do with Nolan Gorman, especially because he's a lefty. That's right. Nolan Gorman is a lefty, so he's going to be seventy percent of the starters that you go up against are right-handed pitchers. So he will be starting at a minimum. 70% of the time. And I don't know if Nolan Gorman can hit left-handed starting pitching in the bigs or not. Let's find out. Uh, that's where you should start things off. And then if he can't, if you find out the answer is no, okay, cool. We'll use Tommy Edmond at second at second against left-handed pitching. We'll move him back out to the uh, outfield against righties. That's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. I, I would prefer consistency with his position, but sure. he gives you the flexibility. 660, good morning, guys. Love your show. Hope you uh, had a great time watching or calling the game. We did. Uh, had fun being at the game. Nationals Park was strict on the protocols, and I felt very safe. Remember the other day we were talking with Dave Jagler, and they only had 5,000 fans in that first homestand. There was 10 last night, and I'm telling you, man, just by having fans back in the stands, I was thinking it again last night because of the play made by the fan and the lack of his first play, that's fun. It's just good to have him back. Well, it provides storylines, too. That's the other thing. Yes. And I was watching the uh, the Padres-Dodgers series over the weekend, Electric. and you could feel the energy coming from the fans in that series. There was another play, I believe it was in Sunday Night Baseball, where you had the guy reaching over mm-hmm. the outfield. You've just... You've got stuff that happens with fans in the stands that is part of baseball. That is part of what we should be watching on a night and night out basis. A guy that's catching a foul ball or a home run or not catching a home run. These are the things that we love about the 162. This is part of the grind, and it, it didn't feel the same without it. Do you notice the uh, the dad or the, the grandfather with the young man? I mean, he was pretty much emotionless. Uh, <laughs> the whole time. On, on both. The drop and the catch. He was just interested in getting his uh, his, his quick pictures of yeah. the outfield. I'm not sure what he was shooting exactly, but he was just trying to get as many pictures as he could. Yeah, no doubt. It was great. Uh, Gorman will be the DH. That is something to keep in mind, too. Um, that's what from the 618. That is something to keep in mind. DH or J.D. Is Martinez. Ooh, I'd like to see him. He's having a bounce back here. He's been awesome. He's smashing the ball. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Cardinal hitter tonight, uh, get ready for the slider because it's coming. Patrick Corman uh, threw his slider 38% of the time last year. That was the fourth highest in baseball among starters. Strikeout rate is really dipped. It was about 20%. So he has struggled. He has an ERA that uh, has not been pretty. Uh, Breaking balls about 52% of the time. So... 
having tonight. I, I think that they go with Edmund at second base, Justin Williams, lefty lefty matchup. I'm okay with that. And then maybe you see somebody else in uh, in the outfield in right. We'll see. I, I'm interested in how this works tonight. You got a couple of starters that are trying to get back on track in Wainwright too. What do you do with Yachty? That that was one that I was thinking about as well with the hand that you guys mentioned a number of times last it's night. He looked like he was swinging at one point with one one hand for sure. I think Yachty's going to ask to be in the lineup, and maybe oh, you get him yeah. out of there tomorrow um, with Carlos on the mound. Maybe he wants to he wants to start out there for Wayno. We saw that last week where he waited to be able to start with Wayno. I I I'd think have, he'll be uh, out there. Well, but, I'll tell you what. If I was a hitter, I'd have Scherzeritis. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. And Tanner's Corbin, looking at me like, "What? Corbin no, Matt is Scherzer the one that I would want tomorrow." To be out there. Oh, ugh. <laughs> yeah, I'd walk in. I I got Scherzeritis. Although it's, I don't think Yachty's the one that would have that. No, <laughs> there's been guys though in the past that look at that opposition and and say, "Ah, you know, my head's really." I, I got that. I mean, shoulders just barking today. I don't know why it is. But, That's like you when know. your wife says, hey, a month from now, we've got some plans and you have no interest. Yeah, I think I'm going to be sick. Yeah. Uh, a month from now, I'm just going to have a planned sick day. See, That's... now you're learning. You're not even married yet. Oh, I've I've been with my fian- now fiance for eight years now. I've, okay. I've been learning on the job. Um, <laughs> so I think it's interesting because Wayno's kind of had an odd year, too, where if you look at his first start, it was these weird hits that went against him and it cost them the game. And then you look at his last start and there was the misplay by Lane Thomas in center over Anna ball. There was a home run that maybe could have been caught. You had the Austin Dean play and left up against the wall that he didn't make those plays get made and you got to make them behind every starter, but especially Wayno cause he's going to pitch to contact even though his strikeout rate has been pretty good, but he's, he's about putting the ball in play. Um, if those plays aren't made behind him, those those add up to long nights for him. Really yeah, does. He's. It's why I would go with Tommy Edmund at second today for sure because I want my best defense out there behind yes. um, Adam Wainwright in a game like this. It makes what they do in the outfield really interesting as well because Wayno is a fly ball pitcher right now. So do you go? I think the best bat that you could go with in left is probably Austin Dean, but he's certainly not the best defender that you could have in the outfield. So I'll be really interested in that decision. I think I think you give Justin Williams a chance against a lefty. I'll be interested to see what they do with that other outfield spot if they have Edmund at second, though. Cardinals announced yesterday they intend to activate Tyler O'Neill from the 10-day IL, the injured list, on Friday. Uh, it would be tough for me, though, the way that Williams has been swinging the bat to say, well, Justin, you're going to sit. I, I don't think I sit him. So he goes to right. O'Neill goes to left. Carlson's in center. That's the way I would play it. I think I would just do a straight platoon with those two where you've got Justin Williams going up against right-handed pitching and I'll go Tyler O'Neill for lefties. So really the question then becomes for me, Matt Carpenter, Matt Carpenter. Yep. How much, you know, how much do you want to play him? And to me, he's not going to play against a lefty. So if you have right-handed matchups and you think he's swinging the bat, okay, you give him that shot. But you're asking yourself the question, are we better with an outfield of O'Neill in left, Carlson in center, Williams in right, or are we better with Tommy Edmond in right, Matt Carpenter in second? You're better defensively with Matt Carpenter not on the field. Like whatever construction does not have Matt Carpenter on the field, you are better defensively that way. Now... Are you better offensively with Matt Carpenter out there? So far, the answer has been no in terms of the actual tangible on-field results that you could put into your stat. 
But the indicators, I know people are sick of hearing about it, and I get it. The indicators are still suggesting that it could come with Matt Carpenter and Tyler O'Neill. There, there wasn't a whole lot there to suggest that mm-hmm. it was going to. So unless Tyler O'Neill starts hitting, in which case, okay, that changes my decision making here. I think I would still continue for another couple of weeks trying to see what's in there for Matt Carpenter. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Danny Mac Show with BK here on 101 ESPN. He's coming up with Alex Ferrario. Uh, the next Blues game will be Thursday, right? Thursday yes, against the Avalanche. Yeah, they had one that was postponed that was supposed to be tonight, That's I right. believe, against the Avalanche. Yeah, so Thursday, it's back-to-back, actually, and then Saturday, Blues-Avalanche. Thursday, Blues-Avalanche at 6 here on 101 ESPN. Baseball coming up tonight on Valley Sports, game number two. You can see that. Uh, Jim Edmonds will be my partner, and we'll come your way at 5.30. Patrick Corbin, the lefty, against Adam Wainwright. Looking forward to that. All right, looking forward to your show, too. What do you have? Yeah, really looking forward to this one, Dan. So we've been talking so much about the hard hit rate and whether or not this stuff matters. We'll talk about that with Brian Kinney of MLB Network coming up at noon. We've got a really smart baseball guy, Ben Clemens. He writes for Fangraphs. He wrote a really long, extensive column on all of this stuff about a year ago. So I basically want to ask him, hey, man, I don't know what I'm talking about with this stuff, but it seems like this should be translating into hits and it's not. Can you explain to me why it's not? So we'll talk to Ben Clemens about that coming up at one o'clock. And I don't know if you've seen it yet, Dan. Jeremy Rutherford had an incredible column on the blues today, basically writing out this is everything that's gone wrong so far. We'll talk to him coming up at 1130. Looking forward to that. Brian Kenny, looking forward to him. He is about as passionate about analytics as you can get. So I'd be curious his thoughts on Carpenter. You know, Carpenter's had the... We talk about it all the time, the barrel of the ball and and hard hit percentage and all that kind of stuff. And then you look up, he's got three hits and almost, what, 40 at bats. Should have had a double last night. They should have challenged that just to get him the double. Oh, here we go again. Should have done it. I wonder if they didn't. I wonder, this is because we're not there. I I would ask Mike Schilt today about it. But I wonder, because of the big lead, if they said, you know, We'll save that challenge if we really need it. I just thought for Carp, of all guys, I th- I thought for sure Shilty was coming up to that top step. Yeah. I thought it was coming because we got to get this guy some results, and he decided not to. He still gets the single. But... Did you think he was safe? Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought it would have been close. The tough part is it was called out on the field, and so you have to take that into consideration, and would they have overturned it? I don't know, but I thought it was pretty definitive. I thought he was unsafe. Close. I- I'm with you. I would Tight game, I'm taking a chance. Yeah, Up for by sure. whatever it was, six at that point, I think, seven. Eh, I, you know, you got your single, you're good. Got an RBI out of it, too. So. Hey, we'll take it. Take it, that's right. <laughs> Somebody that's on the let carp cook train, we will take what we can get right now. That's BK, Tanner, I'm Danny Mack, and we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Danny Mack Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday... With the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. 
Peloton, motivation that moves you.